didn't, it's not holding you back. So uh, I always hate to announce new songs, but this is a, a new song that we're doing. Um, but uh, everybody that's been to youth camp uh, has heard it, and maybe some others have heard as well. But it should be straightforward, and you'll know it. Oh, 
Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, the reality this morning is simply this. Jesus, if you are dead, then that means the dead will not be raised and nothing else matters. But Jesus, if you are alive, and you are, then that means the dead will be raised and nothing else matters. What we do today is of vital significance because it's about eternal life. Jesus, you have been raised. Redemption is written on your hands. Thank you for the redemption that we have in Christ. Thank you for giving us the picture of baptism. Lord, that we can celebrate that the dead in Christ have been raised like we're going to celebrate right now for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ms. Maya. There we go. Step up there for me for just a second. All right, so this is Maya. If you were here last Sunday morning, we introduced Maya to you. And so Maya has made a profession of faith in Christ. And so she desires to follow him in baptism, which is what she's doing right now. And so we have some family, some friends, some that are in from Florida. So if you're family and friends of Maya and you came today, would you please stand? Just stand for a moment. I know we, don't, we hate to embarrass you, but if you'll stand, look at that. Thank you all for being here. So that's exciting, right, to see that you got family and friends that have been praying for you, and they're excited about this day, and they made the trek to come support you. All right, so I have one question for you before we baptize you. Maya, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. Amen. Amen. All right, step back for me. All right, put your eye like this. If you put your hands up for me. All right, based upon that profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. There you go. I am thankful for the eternal life that Jesus Christ brings. And because I believe in that eternal life, because I believe that God is the author of life, then we stand for the sanctity of life. And today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. It is also 50 years since Roe v. Wade. Uh, thankfully, that was overturned, but the battle still rages on. Yes. And so we support our local pregnancy center. Um, Miss Cindy does an incredible job. She sent a video about Sanctity of Life. It's an incredibly well-done video, so check that out. Created for purpose, a unique genetic blueprint from the moment of conception. DNA woven together to determine gender, eye color, hair color, fearfully and wonderfully made. Valued beyond measure. Our culture says life is and it's all one big choice. But God created us in his own image and whispered, I have called you by name, you are mine. In the U.S., Roe v. Wade has been overturned, but abortion is still legal in many states. Most recently, abortion has been boxed up in the form of two little pills and a promise to make it all go away.
What will you do to make a difference for life? How can you be a voice? Will you help save a life? There are over 2,700 pregnancy centers in the United States, serving men and women free of charge and full of hope, providing pregnancy tests, life-affirming counsel, over the first glimpse of a woman's baby in the womb, displaying the magnificence of creation and the precious beats of a tiny heart, perfectly formed and fashioned by the one who created them. They serve faithfully, love well, encourage, they are hope dealers. They need volunteers, your prayers, and your financial support. Will you please give generously and help make a difference for life today? You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar, you search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. And Lord, as we have seen a picture of new birth through the baptism, Lord, as we see your work done in a young heart, I pray that that picture, that testimony, Lord, may reach a very, a very heart today, here. That people were, would be convicted of their sins. That they would find rest and saving grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if they're not affiliated with this church. As we come under the preaching of your word, Lord, help us, guide us. Guide us with your word. I pray that your word would leave no doubt. As we sing these hymns, Lord, may you help us to know of the joy of knowing the Lord. As we sing these hymns, Lord, may we know that we find refuge in you. So help us now. I pray that you would guide us now, in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir. Anybody thankful that Jesus still saves? Amen. 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 All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. At this time, our kiddos will make their way out toward, for, children, for Children's Church. So our kids are going to make their way out, everybody else. Ephesians chapter 6. Well, the plan was, when I stood here last Sunday, was to finish out Ephesians this morning. But you're in luck. That's not going to happen. Uh, we will finish it out next week. Um, we're actually just going to look at one verse, verse 19. Um, this morning. So Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 18, 19, and 20. Next week, Lord willing, we'll look at verse 20 through verse 24. But this morning, verse 19 will be our focus. Will you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word? This is the word of the Lord. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer, supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We spent the last two weeks looking at verse 18, verse 19, and also for me, Paul saying, pray also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we pray once again that you would open our eyes, to behold the wonderful things in your word. As we open your word, Spirit of God, would you compel us, God, that Paul's prayer becomes our prayer, that this week that we would be faithful to lift up this prayer that Paul teaches us to pray. Father, for your glory, for your honor, you're a God who still saves. Save right now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tomorrow afternoon, four members of Northside will head to Ecuador to spend the week working alongside Johnny and Donna Most, a name that hopefully you're familiar with. They'll also serve with John and Giselle, and they will be serving and they will be sharing the gospel with the Afro-Ecuadorian people. Those four individuals are Mark and Tripp and then Paul and Gina. So they will leave tomorrow multiple times throughout the message this morning. Um, I will mention them, right? They covet your prayers. In fact, at the end of the service, we're going to bring them forward. We're going to gather around them. We're going to lay hands on them, and we're going to pray specifically for them as they leave. They're going to be joined by nine others um, from the area, local churches, several pastors going on the trip, what, four or five pastors I think are going, maybe six actually. They're going and they're going to do the work while they're there. And I'm going to mention it multiple times throughout the message for a couple reasons. One, because I want them front and center on your mind, your heart, and in your prayer life this week. And so as we look at this verse, I'm going to instruct you in some ways that you can pray for them. But I'm also going to mention Ecuador multiple times because our passage of Scripture this morning is very timely. Because Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, is basically saying, pray for me, and if we could summarize it in five seconds, it would be this. Pray that God would give me the words to say and the boldness to say them. Now, I could say amen, and we could pray, and we could conclude the service, but you know we're not going to do that. We're going to get a little deeper than that. But that's, in essence, what he's saying, that the Lord would give him the words to say, and he would have the boldness to say them. 
So what we're going to do is we're just going to work our way through verse 19. So this is what Paul says, and also for me. He had just said, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me. Paul requests prayer. He's asking the people to pray for one another, but to also pray for me, and also for me, that. The English word that in the Greek is henna. It's a purpose clause. So he's getting ready to say that, and here's the purpose. Here's what I want you to pray. Now, before we get into Paul's prayer, let's just state this. Paul needs prayer. Paul recognizes he needs prayer. Paul is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is, if you will, on the front lines when it comes to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so he recognizes the importance and necessity of prayer. C.H. Spurgeon was once asked what he believed was the secret of his success. And his answer was simple and yet powerful. He said, my people pray for me. That was the key Spurgeon believed to his success in ministry is that his people prayed for him. Listen to this. Uh, We need a host of men and women who will stand in the gap and pray in the harvest. This is not a glamorous ministry. The one who prays for the multitudes will never be known by men, but he will be known well by the Father. Many of you in this room, if if I have anything to do with it, myself included, the world will never know who we are. But the Father will, if we're faithful to serve him and to pray and to cry out for him. So hear me, Paul, in writing Ephesians, this letter wasn't about him. The sermon this morning is not about me, but if you will give me about 30 seconds, please pray for me, your pastor. Pray fervently, pray faithfully, pray regularly, pray for Pastor Gary, fervently and regularly. Paul says we pray for all the saints, but we do recognize by God's grace, Gary and I, we get to do this for our vocation. This is our living. We are on the front lines. We need your prayer. Listen, if God is going to do anything at Northside, it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. I need your prayers. Paul needed prayers. So Paul says, pray for me. Now, how does he pray? Let's break it down. And also for me, that words may be given to me. So that phrase, may be given to me, that occurs in the passive tense. Meaning, Paul is is not the active one. In other words, Paul here is the recipient. God is the giver. Paul is saying, listen, I am not trusting in my own eloquence, in my own ability to speak. I'm trusting in God who will give me the words to say. Paul recognized he was insufficient, that he was inadequate. So what does he do? He leans upon God because God is all-sufficient. He says, pray that God will give me the words that need to be said. So there's a dependence upon God. Notice, secondly, he asks for clarity. He says, and also for me that words, words may be given to me. So what's Paul asking them to pray for? Paul's not saying, hey guys, pray for a more robust like vocabulary, that I can have more words and bigger words so I can impress people. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, pray that the Lord will give me the words, the right words, words um, that are clear 
And we know this to be the gospel. Paul is clear in Ephesians. He's talking about the gospel. He wants clear words, the right words. He's saying, pray that the Lord would help me to articulate the gospel clearly. He's he's asking for clear and effective communication. I think one of the, the, the biggest compliments that people have given me, and I give all the credit to the Lord, is that when I preach, it is clear and it is simple. That anyone can understand, whether you're five or 95. Because you've sat under some pastors and you're like, man, you're just, you're, you're speaking like above my head. I don't have that kind of vocabulary, first of all. If, even if I wanted to, I couldn't speak over anybody's heads. But just clear. Lord, help me to be clear and effective. And here's the good news. Paul can ask them to pray for this because Paul knows the Lord will do it. Because in Luke chapter 12, verse 12, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he says this in verse 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So Paul says, listen, you can pray that the Lord will give me words, and I believe the Lord will answer that. He will give me the words that I need to say. I also believe, though this isn't explicit here, that Paul is also asking them to pray for opportunities to speak. Because Paul says, hey, I'm praying, you pray for the words that will be given to me that I can open my mouth. What does Paul want to do? He doesn't want to open his mouth to eat. He wants to open his mouth to talk. And if you're going to talk, it would be helpful if you had somebody to listen to you. Now, you can certainly talk to yourself. Some will judge you. I won't. But you, you, you don't talk to yourself. He wants to talk to somebody. And so when he's saying, pray that the Lord would open my mouth, he'll give me the words to say, he wants to share the good news, and he's praying, pray that God would bring the people to hear. So in Paul's context, who is that? Well, Paul says in verse 20, he's in chains. He's already told us in the letter he's a prisoner of the Lord. Paul's in prison. Paul is chained to a Roman soldier. They have several different watches. He always has an audience. So his immediate context is for the soldiers. Pray that the Lord will give me words to say to the soldiers. Paul eventually, if you study the book of Acts, will appear before Felix and Agrippa. But give me the words to say to whoever I need to speak to. And then you know if you read Acts that he appeals to Caesar. So certainly he's saying, give, may the Lord give me words to say to Caesar. Colossians chapter 4, which many see as a parallel letter to Ephesians, verse 3 says this, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. May the Lord open a door so that I can share the gospel. So let's consider this Ecuador trip. You say, Pastor, how do I pray for them this week? Well, certainly pray for safety, pray for health. Absolutely, yes and amen. But if we're going to go based upon Paul's request of how they pray for him, how can you pray for those four and then the others who are going? You pray that the Lord would make them dependent upon him and not themselves. Pray that as they go, they're not trusting in their resources, their abilities, their knowledge of the language, their past experiences, but you're praying, Lord, and everything that they do, may they depend solely upon you. And then pray that the Lord will give them the words to say. In the conversation with the bus driver or with the person taking care of them at a meal, whoever they're around, Lord, help them. They don't know the language, or they know it minimally. 
Give them the words to say. Give the interpreter the words to interpret it into their language. Give them the words in every conversation that needs to be said. And then pray for divine appointments and opportunities. That God, who's already gone before them, every driver, every stranger, every person they walk up and talk to, that the Lord is opening up opportunities where hearts are receptive and they'll receive the Word of God. That's what Paul's asking them to do. So pray for them this week. But now let me turn this on you. You also need to be praying this for your own life. Look, the reality is, if we're honest, most of us, many of us, are not sharing the gospel the way that we should. We're not telling others about Jesus as often as we should. And there's many reasons as to why maybe we would give that we don't do it. So we need to pray, Lord, I need to be dependent upon you. I'm afraid. I don't know what to say. I'm an introvert. Help me not in that moment to rely on my strength or my abilities, but to be solely dependent upon you. Pray, Lord, give me the words. I don't know answers to every question that they will have. Maybe you would say you're not as knowledgeable as you need to be in the Word of God. You, you, you like to be in control. You want to know what they're going to ask or say, and you simply don't. And so just pray, Lord, when the opportunity comes, give me the words to say. But then also, if you're struggling with evangelism, ask the Lord to give you opportunities. Let me ask you a couple questions. If you believe the answer is yes, just say amen. Do you believe that our God still saves? Do you believe that there are still lost people who need to be saved? Then do you believe if you begin to pray, Lord, I need to share the gospel more often, will you give me opportunities? Do you think the Lord's going to say no? Look, Aaron, man, people need to be saved. I'm a God who saves. But you know, the Great Commission, go, that doesn't include you, so I'm not going to bring anybody that you can share the gospel with. If you believe that you need to be more faithful to share the gospel, and in your heart you want to be, but you're nervous, start praying, Lord, bring them to me. Put me in a position where I don't have a choice but to open my mouth or I will be found unfaithful. And if you begin to pray that, the Lord is going to start bringing them. He's going to prepare you. They may not come tomorrow. He may prepare you a month, but they're going to come. And when they come, be faithful to share the gospel. And so he says, and also for me that words may be given to me. Look what he says in opening my mouth. And opening my mouth, let me say a couple things. Number one, there must be, must be a gospel witness with your life. Your life must give witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How you and I live has always mattered, and it definitely matters in our culture today. It matters. That's why Paul tells us that we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That's why he says, walk in love, walk in light, walk in holiness, walk in wisdom. Live your life in such a way that it's evident that you believe in Jesus and people are drawn to Jesus through your life. So pray for those going to Ecuador, Lord, in every decision, and every conversation, maybe in the, the delayed flights or the, the difficult travel, whatever may come, and everything, give them patience, give them godliness, help them just to know what to say, to live their life in a way that it's obvious. So the way you live matters. It matters at home. It matters at the workplace. Your life should be a witness for Jesus. But hear me, your life isn't enough. 
at some point, you have to open your mouth. You have to tell them about Jesus. Now, your life ought to point them there. Man, you're different, pastor. You act differently. You don't laugh at the things we laugh at. You don't watch the things we watch. Like, you're different. Your hope, your faith, your trust is you're going through difficult things. It's different. But at some point, you have to speak. You have to point them to Jesus. And so that's what Paul says, that I would open my mouth. The Greek word for opening means to address, to start speaking. Literally, it means to open your mouth. You have to open your mouth and tell them about Jesus. So again, consider the trip to Ecuador. They're going to go. They're going to meet needs. They're going to meet people. They're going to serve in the villages. Having been there, I can tell you their mere presence will make a difference. But why are they there? Why do we raise money to help send them? It's so that the Afro-Ecuadorians, which are an unreached people group, Little to no access to the gospel, very little church presence, very little gospel presence is so that they might hear about Jesus. I got to witness Mark last summer. And Mark, uh, he knew the language, he'd been there more comfortable speaking than I would. And he would always state right up front why he was there, why we were there. Because God loves you, we love you, and we believe in Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. And how you shared about Jesus and the gospel can vary. Many different ways to do it. But they knew why we were there. And how did they know? Because we opened our mouths to tell them. We could have just served them, loved on them, and never told them why we were there. But why we're there matters. So he says, in opening my mouth, and then he says this, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Hear me. The message matters. What you say, what you share matters. And so what is, what is Paul talking about? Opening my mouth boldly to proclaim what? The mystery of the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 1, he, he references this. Verses 9 and 10, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Paul uses this word mystery multiple times in this letter. We've talked about it. This word mystery is not a secret to be hidden. It's not the way that we understand the word mystery, like something is secret hidden and we're investigators trying to uncover the truth. It's not what it means. Mystery is something that was hidden, not known that God has now revealed. So as Paul lays out the gospel, that Jesus died for us, that we were sinners separated from him, that we were dead in our sins, alienated, but that Jesus came and died and was raised from the dead and so that we can be saved by grace. He's laying out the good news of the gospel that God in Christ is bringing Jew and Gentile together in one. There's not separate races. It's not the gospel is for one type of person and not the other. No, it was, it was mind-blowing for them to hear that Jesus came for Jew and Gentile. The Jews didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that Gentiles are now going to be grafted in and brought in. They didn't like it at all, but that's why Jesus came for everyone who believes in the name of Jesus. The gospel matters. So hear me, the mystery is not a secret to be hidden, but a divinely revealed truth to be declared. It is to be proclaimed. 
from our mouths. The Gospel of Mark mentions the word proclaim multiple times. Let me just point out four of them. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the Gospel of God. Mark chapter 6, verse 12. So they went out and proclaimed, they proclaimed that people should repent. Mark 13, verse 10 says this. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And then in Mark 16, 15, we read, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We're to proclaim it. And you and I need to understand that every time the gospel is proclaimed, and that means right now, the hearer, the recipient, has one of two responses. Right now, in light of the message, in light of the gospel, the songs that we have sung, you are either drawn closer to Jesus, maybe through repentance and confession of your sin and the forgiveness of your sin, or your your heart's just stirred to love Jesus more, you're drawn closer to Jesus, or when you hear the gospel and you don't respond, your heart is hardened to the gospel. So right now, everyone in this room, Believer or unbeliever, you're either drawn closer to Jesus this morning or your heart is hardened and you're going further from him. Listen, you and I can't dictate how people respond. You're not into manipulation. You're not trying to force anyone to follow Jesus. That's not your job. It's the spirit of God's job to give life and to save men. And women, not yours. Your job is simply to proclaim it. It's to point people to it. It's to pr- pray for them and love them and serve them in the hopes that they'll give their life to Jesus. Now, if we're going to do that in Paul's day or in our day, there's something else he prays for. And opening my mouth boldly, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul's asking them, he's saying, hey, pray for courage, pray for fearlessness, pray that regardless of what happens, I might speak the mystery of the gospel. He says, pray that there would be freedom to speak without restraint. Paul understands. Paul's fully aware that he's in a spiritual battle and that his enemy, Satan, will come to him and will tempt him to keep his mouth shut. He will tempt Paul to be tight-lipped before Caesar or with the soldier. So Paul says, no, 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 pray that I may declare the truth boldly. In the Bible, we see example after example after example of God providing boldness and wisdom and the words to say before men and women. Whether it's Moses before Pharaoh, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego before King Nebuchadnezzar, or Esther before the king. God equips his people. He gives his people the boldness to stand before them. So as you think about the Ecuador trip, how do you pray? Ask the Lord to give them boldness. Ask the Lord that nothing would constrain them. Ask the Lord, Lord, help them to speak courageously the name of Jesus. But don't just pray that for them. Pray that for you. Because what does Paul say in verse 20? Just a little glimpse to next week. He says he's an ambassador in what? Chains. Paul is experiencing persecution. Why? Because he has proclaimed the name of Jesus. You don't have to be a rocket science to figure out in 2023 
And I believe going forward, there's going to be more persecution coming for the church who believes the Bible as revealed and taught by God. So you and I better start praying right now, Lord, help me to be bold. And that does not mean you're unkind. Being bold doesn't mean you just blast people, you're unkind to people. No, boldness means you're going to stand for the truth. You're going to do it in love, but you're going to stand. You're not going to back down. The reality is, as we bring this to a conclusion here, the reality is every single one of us in this room ought to be doing what Paul's doing, and that's telling people about Jesus, sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. And if we're honest, most of us in this room, we're not being faithful to do that. Why? I think one of the reasons, if we're honest, is because we were not properly taught. We were not properly discipled. That when you're young, the expectation is you now follow Jesus. Even when you're seven, you need to start telling other people about Jesus. If you start doing that when you're seven, then it's going to be more natural when you're 15 and more natural when you're 30. But look, if you're 45 and you've never shared the gospel with anybody, it's pretty hard. Because by 45, you're really concerned with, other pe- with what other people think. When you're seven, you don't really care. You're just going to do because you you don't think through it. You just do it. And so if you you have the habit that you've built up, and so we have failed. So let me just mention two things. There's a a summit this weekend at Crossroads Church, a discipleship summit. If you're interested in that, you can see Steve Holloway or see Steve Smith. Ask either one of them about it. There's a cost. It's Friday night, Saturday. But if you're interested, I don't know if it is it only for men. It's not just for men. They have a women's thing, I think, on Friday. But if you want more information, see them. It's an opportunity, a recognition. Look, we need to be discipled. We need to be taught. But there's something else I want to emphasize for a minute. So just lend me your ear. I believe discipleship must start with our kids. I praise the Lord that in the last year, we have seen multiple kids give their life to Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. Now, if you're 18 and older and you give your life to Jesus or you join Northside, there is a new members class that you are required to go through. But we don't have anything like that that kids are required to go through. So on Wednesday nights, our kindergarten through fifth graders meet every Wednesday and they do praise makers. They sing. They're learning bells, and they're learning to use their voices to sing praises to God. Right now, they're working on a mini-musical that they're going to do in May. And so they work every week. But starting this Wednesday, the last Wednesday of the month, as long as school is in session, we're doing something geared for discipling our K through 5th grade. It's going to be led by Miss Janet. She's going to be leading that. Our other volunteers that help with the choir, they're going to pitch in, and they're going to help in the focus The last Wednesday of every month is, how do our kids do these types of things? Like, why is the Bible important? Why should they be telling others about Jesus? Like, we we teach them in Sunday school, but this is geared towards you've given your life to Jesus or you're thinking about it, now what are the next steps? So hear me, if you already come on Wednesday nights, fantastic, keep coming, K through fifth graders. But parents, if you don't come on Wednesday nights, for whatever reason, but your child has given their life to Jesus in the last year or two years. I'm not requiring it, but from my heart, I am pleading with you the last Wednesday night of the month to be here at 615. 
If your child has given their life to Jesus, this is where I want your kid to be because it's our responsibility to help you as parents to disciple them. And I want to make sure we're doing our part and we're being faithful. And so this is another way for us to just help our kids know this is Jesus, this is what he's, what he's requiring of you, this is what he's done for you, now let's be faithful so that in 30 years, if Jesus hasn't come, we won't have a lack of discipleship issue. We're going to have Christians who understand what it means to follow Jesus. Let me finish with an illustration. There was a, a Scottish missionary, his name was Frederick. He tells of a time when he was younger that he and a friend of his, so before he became a missionary, he and a friend of his uh, were holding a street meeting like a revival on the street, in Glasgow's Tavern District. What they found is, as long as they sang hymns, the rough crowd tolerated them. But once they began to preach, their drunken audience drowned out their voices with profane howling. Frederick was moved to tears, and his friend and he prepared to leave. But a tall, elderly Christian who had been listening, urged them, keep at it, laddie. God loves to hear men speak well of his son. Brothers and sisters, God loves for his sons and daughters to speak well of his son. So are you speaking well of Jesus, parents, at the dinner table or driving down the road? Are you speaking well of Jesus with your spouse? Are you speaking well of Jesus in your job or among other family members or with your neighbors? When you gather, maybe as a, uh, as a small group of the church, do you speak well of Jesus together? Are you always aware of the people around you that one of them, many of them, may need to hear Jesus? And at that moment, maybe God is working in their heart and God has brought you your past cross. Will you share? Will you speak well of the Son? Because ultimately, that's Paul's prayer. Give me the words to say about Jesus and give me the boldness to say them. My prayer for you and for myself is that we would be a church who would understand the gospel, a deep knowledge of the gospel that then becomes a deep treasuring of the gospel. And when you begin to treasure the gospel and you realize that Jesus Christ is alive and the Bible says the dead will be raised and all will be judged, then nothing else matters but us telling lost people about Jesus and encouraging each other to follow and love Jesus. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, we are going to sing in just a moment about great are you, Lord. We're going to sing about your greatness. You are great and you are good and you are kind and you are loving. You have given us your word. You've revealed it to us. You have spoken to us your word. And you call us, Father, to share that word with others. So right now, in this moment, before we sing, in the stillness of this moment, Lord, help us to examine our hearts. Are we followers of Christ? Have we given our life to Jesus as we've seen Maya do this morning? following him in baptism, saying Jesus is now Lord and Savior of our life. He's the Son of God. 
If we've done that, praise the Lord. Are we following you, Jesus? Are we becoming more like you, Jesus? Are we abiding in you? Are we bearing fruit? Are we speaking well of you, Jesus, to others? Are we living a gospel life? Listen, we're not going to live it perfectly, Father, we know that. But our words and our actions should be consistent. So help us, Lord, we pray. Father, if there is anyone in this place who does not know you, they have never declared you to be the Christ, the Son of God. They've never asked you to be their Savior, to save them from their sins, to forgive them of their sinfulness, their wretchedness. If they still believe that in their own strength and in their own resources they can save themselves, then, Father, would you bring them to the end of themselves? Bring them to the point where they realize, I cannot save myself, Jesus. Only you can save me from an eternity in hell. It's only by your grace and your mercy, and so I cast myself upon you. Father, speak to us now as we sing. In this moment, help us to realize we will either draw nearer to you or we will harden our hearts against you. Oh, Father, may it not be the latter. Right now, Spirit of God, move in this place and draw us nearer to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to worship together. I'm here at the front. The altar is open. If you want to come and kneel and pray, you respond as the Lord moves.
Amen, amen. You may be seated for just a couple minutes. Mark, do you want to come, brother, and just give just a few words about your upcoming trip, when you leave, when you come back, maybe just a couple things you're going to be doing. And after Mark shares that, uh, we'll have the four from our church who are going come up and we'll pray and I'll give you some instructions on that. later tomorrow evening. We'll be working all week uh, in three or four different communities, uh, and then we'll be heading back uh, Sunday evening late, uh, so the flight's overnight, so we'll get back here very early Monday morning on the 30th. So I uh, do appreciate your prayers uh, as we go. Um, we do have some plans to, to work in some of the communities based on the times we've been before. The Lord has opened some doors for us. But uh, we just pray that the Lord, uh, the Spirit would direct us, uh, even when plans change, that we'll be flexible enough to hear his voice and to obey him. And just thankful for those divine opportunities that we know are there for us to share the gospel. So uh, one of the things that's cool that uh, we did last summer, our VBS kids raised uh, funds for these audio Bibles um, because a lot of the adults there do not read. So the kids read. They're going to school, but a lot of the adults don't read, so to hand them a copy of God's Word that's printed really doesn't do a lot of good. And so um, our kids raised enough. I think our goal started out was like to get 10, and they raised enough to get 20 based on the price that I had. And so when I went to order them, uh, the Lord was with us, and they gave us a discount. And I think we, I'm, we're bringing almost 40 because of the dis discount they gave us. So, And... Uh, cool thing, the name of this audio Bible is The Proclaimer. You know, we mentioned that in the sermon, so I thought that was kind of neat. Um, so just pray for us as we proclaim the gospel. And uh, we've got Gina and Paul Johnson going and Trip Stedham. Uh, like, like Pastor said, we're, we're joining a group uh, to go together to share the gospel in this area where they are unreached. So we do appreciate your prayers. Thanks. Mark, if you all just want to come, stand up here at the front. And if um, you are able and comfortable, I'm just going to ask you to come gather around them. As many people as want to come, so you all just start coming. We're just going to lay hands. You may not get close enough to lay hands on them, so just lay hands on whoever is closest to you. Uh, I'll pray for them. And then after I'm done praying, um, our deacon uh, of the week is Steve Smith. So as you make your way back to your seats, uh, we'll have Steve come and just pray and close out our service. Just keep coming and you just um, lay your hands on, on them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, your word tells us in Revelation that worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals. For you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people. It tells us from every tribe and language and people and nation. Father, a day is coming. We don't know when. And we will gather in your presence. And there will be people from every tribe and nation. And that will include the Afro-Ecuadorians. God, on that day, we want as many Afro-Ecuadorians around the throne of Jesus as possible. And there is little to no access there right now. 
Jesus, if you come today, there will be some, but there will not be many. Because many have never heard. Or they are confused. They're still blind. So we've had multiple teams that have gone. You have helped form a partnership with the Most and with John and Giselle, and we are thankful for that. And so, Father, now we send another team tomorrow, the largest team that has gone. And so, Father, the logistics, the flights, the transportation, Lord, this will be on a bigger scale than we've done so far. So, Father, we pray for all of that, for that to go smoothly. But even in the hiccups, Lord, for patience, to be flexible, to just keep our eyes on you. Father, once they're there, Lord, our prayer is what Paul prayed. Lord, you, oh God, give them the words. May they not rely upon their own abilities or their own strength, but Father, may they be so dependent upon you. And in their going, Father, may their relationship with you be strengthened as they depend more upon you and less on themselves. Give them the words to say, give them opportunities. Oh God, right now we plead for divine appointments. Moments, Lord, that they can't see now, but when it's over, they can be like, man, God had his hand all over that. Individuals, groups, villages, that they would just hear the gospel. Father, give them boldness. Remove that fear of timidity. Just give them courage. May there be nothing that restrains them in their communications. Father, we pray for their families that are here, that don't get to go whether it be a spouse or a spouse with kids or just teenagers, Lord, we pray for them, that you would keep them safe, that nothing would happen here that would cause those going to Ecuador for their minds to be divided. Because, Lord, you're, you're sending them for a reason. Father, you are sovereign over all things. And having been there, God, I know the need. So go before them. Go with them. And after they leave, Father, we know that you will stay there and continue to do a great work. Oh, Jesus, we plead and we pray, save the lost. And may they encourage the believers in Christ because they need encouragement too. For your glory and your honor, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You all may return to your seats. While you're returning, let me just make a couple of announcements so if you can walk and listen at the same time. Uh, our senior friends have their senior luncheon this week on Thursday, so we want you to be a part of that. Um, join our sisterhood groups. There's information about that. Um, we've got a new Sunday school class coming up. Uh, we've got men's and women's Bible study this weekend, so pay attention to that. And then just a couple other opportunities to serve. Join us tonight. Uh, we have all our normal activities. If you're still standing, remain standing. If you just sat down, I'm sorry, stand right back up. <laughs> Steve, close us in a word of prayer, brother. Thank you. Uh, let us pray. Um, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that uh, Northside Baptist has the opportunity to send a mission group to Ecuador, and we're grateful for that. And as Pastor Aaron was talking about, that we want as many people to be saved, Lord God, as possible, and, and I just pray for each one to keep, uh, keep them safe and give them the words to speak. Lord, we want to thank you so much for the demonstration of your power uh, that Maya uh, expressed here this morning. Um, we are dead if we're 
in, in our flesh and our spirit until we accept you as our personal Savior. And the power that uh, happens is that you go from death to life. And I pray, Lord God, that uh, her example here today will uh, motivate anyone that's in here that has not accepted you as their Savior, that they would have the courage to step out and accept you. And if they've not been baptized, Lord God, that they would have the courage to come forth and be baptized. And I pray, Lord, as we all go out this week, that uh, we would speak well of Jesus. We would speak well of our spouses and our children. And we would speak well of people that we meet. And Lord God, that you would give us the words to say to the people we meet this week and the courage and strength to say it and the boldness. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>